0: i My friends, my warriors. This is Mary Mack from the Mary Mack Show. I am doing a series on death by fentanyl. And I have the privilege of being with Tammy Plaxtis today. Is that correct? That's correct. Very good. (laughs) (laughs) And and this series is has invited all in all different types of individuals around our country who have been active in trying to get fentanyl off the street. Yes. They have, even in all their grief, have done what they can to be a great advocate for all the people who come after them to help build awareness so that a lot less children and young adults are um, safe from the scourge of this drug called fentanyl. It is now the leading cause of death among 15 to 40 year olds, and there are over 110,000 people who have died last year of fentanyl poisoning. Her son Dylan was one of them. He was 29 when he died. He died on 12-9-9. December 9th of 2020, smack in the middle of COVID. And he wanted to be an organ donor. So a few days later, he technically died on the 15th. Is that correct? That is correct. Okay, great. He is one of six siblings. Yes. That's wonderful. And and um, Tammy now is the moderator of a Facebook group that goes with the Fentanyl Awareness Coalition organization. And you can see the website at the THE-fac.org. Or you can go to Facebook and search for Fentanyl Awareness Coalition and she moderates that and does an incredible job so I wanted to say thank you to Tammy for being here for taking the time to be with me tonight and talk about Dylan and your grief and your advocacy work
1: all right thanks thanks for having me
0: absolutely Dylan
1: Dylan was my firstborn child out of six um he was on the wrestling team in high school uh he was just A regular young man, you know, he loved music. He recorded some, a lot of songs on YouTube. His main song was Hope. And he called himself in that song, actually a warrior. And I think he knew that he was a warrior.
0: (laughs) That's wonderful. Um, I believe that all of us who endure the death of a loved one, we're warriors. Yes. It takes a lot of courage to keep moving forward.
1: Yeah. So Dylan like I said was just a regular kid, high school, into music, on the wrestling team. Um as he after he graduated high school, he started exhibiting some issues where we didn't know what to diagnose him. It was like ADD, which most of the kids have ADD, so we're like okay. And as time went on, he started drinking but it was not like he wasn't an active user. I mean, he smoked marijuana here and there, but he wasn't a drug user. And um, he was hospitalized a couple of times for alcohol poisoning, but then he started exhibiting some behavior that was a little strange. And that's when we were trying to get help for him. My sister got involved because my sister lived in New York and I live in Florida and she knew a lot of people in the healthcare industry and she tried to get Dylan some help. And um, she landed up getting him diagnosed where he had social security, um, that he had schizophrenia. He suffered from schizophrenia. I never really truly believed in that diagnosis, but that's what he was. But I noticed once he was on the medicine, you know, he was doing better. He was able to hold down a job. He was, you know, not hanging out in the streets. He used to go out a lot, but he was young. So, I mean, it can't always be that it was because of the schizophrenia. But he was on that medicine and he got the shot in his arm. And he was living in a place called TSI in New York. And it was a facility where it would help them go to work and have a place to live. And he was in this house with four other um, young men around his age. And it was around COVID time. Uh, in September, Dylan called me. And um, he started asking a lot of people in the family for money. And well, I had a conversation and I said, Dylan, what's going on with you? Why do you keep on asking me for money? And he's like, well, I'm experimenting with cocaine. And I was like, what is wrong with you? You know, what are you doing? You're on these meds. And, you know, my dad died when he was 48. You want to be like your Grandpa Eddie? I was like, please, I'm begging you. And he's like, Ma, it's okay. And I'm like, where are you getting this from? And he said, I'm getting it, Ma. This guy blessed me. He gave me $100. And I was like, I said, Dylan, please. And I begged him. And after that, that was September. He was clean and he was doing fine. He was back on his regular routine, going to work. And one uh, the night before his passing, he had called me up. It was right after his birthday. And I was talking with him because I told him I had sent him some packages from Target. And... And that he, for his birthday, so to expect it. And when he said, okay, mom. And then he asked me at the end of the conversation, he said, can I get $10? And I said, for what Dylan? He said, cigarettes and beer. And I said, Dylan, are you sure that's what you're going to do with the $10? And he said, yes, mom, just cigarettes and beer. And he said also, mom, can you please make sure that you get in touch with my dad? and make sure he's okay, because Dylan's father was worked for the New York City Transit Authority. Um, he ended up having canc- uh, cancer, and he was in treatment. You know, he was almost with dump with chemo and remission. So he said, please check on my dad, make sure he's okay. And I said, okay, Dylan, and he says, I said, you have work tomorrow? He said, yes, and that was it. That was the end of the conversation. When I hung up the phone with him, I still, as a parent, felt like I was damned if I did and damned if I didn't, giving him the $10, even though it sounds like, okay, it's only $10. It wasn't about the $10. It was about my worry that maybe he was going to do drugs again. Right. So the next morning, I went about my day. I was going to call him, but I remember he told me he was going to work early. So I said, all right, I'll give him a call in the afternoon, check on him. And... All day, I had this like weird feeling, and about two o'clock in the afternoon, I get this phone call from my sister, and she said that Dylan was rushed to the hospital, that his heart stopped three times.
0: Oh my goodness!
1: And I made the blood, the most blood curdling scream that every mom, every angel mom, every angel parent that I talk to has the same scream. I thought I was going to have a heart attack when. And she said, well, maybe he's this hope, this hope. you know, just, you know, get ready. Cause I live in Florida and Dylan lived in New York city. Um, I have one daughter named Gianna. She lives here in Florida with me, the rest of his siblings and the family is in New York. So I was waiting on to find out, get word. What do I do that? Like calm down. I had sent my son to the hospital to see what was going on and they still didn't really give a clear anything yet, you know, diagnosis, like I'm still shivering around. So the next day, um, Dylan's father was in the hospital when they pronounced Dylan brain dead. Oh. And he sent out a text saying, you know, and at that time I'm like, oh my God, all right, what do I do? I like kind of froze. Like for a while I just couldn't even think clearly like, do I have to get on the plane? I gotta get a plane ticket. I, I for a minute I was shocked and I, my friend, my best friend, Kathy, I called her and I said, I got to get on a plane. She's like, what do you mean you got to get on a plane? You need to get on a plane right now. Like, cause I was like, oh, maybe I can go tomorrow. She's like, no, you need to go now. Yeah it was like, I wasn't even processing anything at the time. I was just in such shop. So I just like kind of got in the car, told my daughter, I'd drive me to the airport. I was booking a airline ticket, you know, to get to New York. So, which I did. And uh, when I got to the hospital, Um, The doctors took me in and they told me that all medical intervention, what they could do was done. And the only thing that we could do was donate his organs, you know, and I agreed immediately. Dylan's dad agreed immediately. My sister was actually Dylan's healthcare proxy because she was in a lot of medical things in New York and she knew people. And supposedly they did her favors by putting Dylan in this home in TSI New York um the other thing I forgot was that I forget but anyway I failed to say the reason why Dylan started using was because Dylan was placed in a facility where it was a place for him to live he had social security he had a job and Prior to this, he was asking everybody in the family for money, and that was just not something he did. He didn't need money. He had a place to live. He had a job. He didn't need money like that. He was taken right. care of it. And there happened to be a dealer, and I'm going to call him Bubba. Bubba, the dealer, lived next door to an agency where Dylan was supposed to be getting services, and it was COVID time. And I thought my son was in a place where he was being monitored, or there was somebody coming and checking on them and making sure they're okay. And meanwhile, it wasn't owned by like a lot of medical facilities here in Florida. I work with people with mental illness now. Um, that's my grandma, coloring arts instructor, and. Wow. You know, there, there's an agency called Baycare here in Florida that has housing for all these people that helps them with housing. And I couldn't imagine a drug deal having that Baycare, which is a big agency, have like drug dealers living next door providing drugs to their, to the neighbors, you know? Right. So basically this bubble was going around offering people in the house, free drugs, and that's how Dylan started. And like I said, he had stopped. The night before his passing, I had his phone. Dylan was on Snapchat. Dylan had oh. Bubba on Snapchat. Oh, man. And Jaime De La Porte, he's very famous. Uh, one of the agents' yes. parents, Jaime. He's the one that went after Snapchat. But um, so Dylan was on Snapchat. Now, the thing is, when you're trying to get these dealers, because I want to Baba, you know, because Mama's not going to let this go, especially after losing my child. Um, Baba lived next door. So I had Dylan's phone. I linked, it's hard now with these dealers because a lot of them use these phones that are throwaway phones, Throwaway
0: phones, know. burner yeah, phones.
1: Yeah, right. So burner phones. So they use these burner phones. So usually you can't, you know, it's hard to get the dealer. And that's what a lot of parents sometimes say, well, I have the phone, but you have to do a lot of little detective work also. Yes. So Baba was very cocky. Baba had the same phone number for like 10 years. And Baba was on Snapchat. And so um, one of my family members was really, really smart. So they kind of like, Fed into Bubba, you know, and started, like, talking to Baba and linking Bubba to his number. So we did that. We got all the, we did the little detective work. So now it's difficult for me because I live in Florida and Dylan passed away in New York. So I have to deal with the police in New York. Right. My sister at that time was like, she didn't want to be bothered. She was worried that, you know, somebody's going to get killed or this or that. And she didn't want nothing about it. And I was just like, you know, I have to do this. I have to do this.
0: Were you, but were anyway, you, Tammy, were you working with um, the homicide detectives in one of the precincts?
1: I did. Yeah, I did work. But he he was just, yeah, he was a detective, but he was in the drug, you know, the drugs the, yeah, yeah so I went down when I went down to New York again after Dylan's passing, it was like in June, I stopped at the precinct where Dylan lived and I went into the police station because I had to get Dylan's autopsy back because at that time, when I was doing this, I didn't have a hundred percent proof that Dylan died from fentanyl. so I it took like almost five months to get the autopsy back.
0: Wow. so
1: once I seen. Cause it's the, the corners are so backed up with this going on every day with all these people passing away from this poison. So, um, it took that time. So I go to the precinct, I have Dylan's autopsy, I have like the police report, everything. And I go there and I'm like, listen, I need to speak to somebody. And they're like, lady, what do you want? I said, my son passed away. This is almost five months ago. I'm here. Why are you coming now? I said, because I live in Florida and I needed to wait for the autopsy. I need to speak to somebody. They're like, lady, we have these cases all the time. Like you're just one of those people. (laughs) And I'm like, okay. And I'm like, well, can you pull up the 911? They said, I said, they said, the end. I said, can you pull it up? Oh, we can't find it. So then they finally punched in the address and they're like, oh yeah, we found it and they're like lady we don't think we can help you i started like crying in the precinct there was like pray to saint michael or no on the wall you know so i started praying to saint michael in the in the precinct and i'm like can somebody please just listen to me so finally they called narcotics and they got this detective his name was detective k and um, he agreed to take Dylan's case, and I gave him all the information about Baba and did all that. It took a little while. He did perform a sting, and fat, uh Baba sold fentanyl and heroin to two undercover detectives. Oh Okay. So then the detective K was like, you know, great. You know, Bubba's going to go away for a long time. And, you know, we got, you got justice for Dylan. A lot of people don't get it. I'm like, okay, great. So I'm waiting, waiting months go by months go by. Bubba was in jail, but Bubba wasn't in jail for Dylan. Bubba was in jail for something else. Bubba is still walking the streets of New York city.
0: Oh my God. Okay. So why couldn't they make it stick?
1: I don't know. And then it was like, first he told me, the detective told me first, you know, you got got justice for Dylan. He's going to go away for a long time. And then I contacted the detective after that, you know, like what happened? Why is he still out? And then I never, I don't get any response anymore, but this man is still on Facebook and I landed up doing, finding out that he also was responsible for the death of this other gentleman named Joey and i did some fishing around on facebook and i seen that this guy joey they called him joey circus was die died like i like after that, the the detective first told me oh everything's you know going to be okay i was fishing around and i was like cuz that he hung out with baba this joey and i seen that he was dead and i'm like oh my god so i contacted the guy joey's brother and i was like i need to talk to you now because i know bubba is responsible now for your brother's death he killed my son you know so um i the brother took a little while to respond it was a matter of a couple months and i also messaged the guy who passed away joey's girlfriend and She finally contacted me and then we started doing stuff together, looking on Bubba. She showed me like pictures in Bubba's home of all the drugs he had in his house. Oh my God. Yeah. And still nothing has done. You know what makes my blood boil? I see this man posting on Facebook and you know what it's like? It's a smack in my face and all the parents that, and it's like, I'm like, I still at that point felt a little discouraged, and I'm not going to say I wasn't, you know, but I said, you know what? I got to keep on going, and I just kept on saying, you know what? I'm going to still advocate. I'm going to still do, because a lot of parents have gotten justice, and yes, I'm very upset that I didn't get justice for Dylan, with the way he dirt, but you know what? I know that I did the best that I could, and I tried yes. my best, and um, you know, that's
0: it. I, you I took it everything. you took it you took it to the to the max.
1: Yeah. And then I just had to say Yeah. So I can do so. Now I just took my grief into activism and trying to comfort, help, and you know, just be supportive, you know, and I love doing the graphics that I do for Fentanyl Awareness Coalition and Angel Moms because they make us feel pretty and it makes us, you know, we have fun with it. And we call everyone, even though we're in all parts of the country, all of us that are going through this, it's like we've become a family. Like, we oh, yes. Them. And it's weird. And even though it's like through Facebook or, you know, going to the rallies, we're going to go back to Washington, D.C. in September the 23rd. Yeah. And it's like, we're just got this connection. It's like, I know all our, ba- we know all our babies are together. They're all there. You know, they're watching us. Like, you know I mean? you know, like I just feel like, you know, you know, it's just such a bond. It's, it's just an unexplainable bond that we all have really.
0: Because me. you can totally relate to each other. When one of you says, I know how you feel, they really do.
1: Yeah, You know,
0: it's not like sometimes after a funeral day, you know, somebody will come up to you and say, oh, I know how you feel because my so-and-so died. And you're yeah. like, nah, it's not the same thing. No,
1: no. <laughs> and this is murder. I, I mean, we've, tra- you know, people want to say, it's you know, they chose. I've even had people, my own sister at the time, and she really peed me off. When we were in the hospital, before we knew it was fat and all because they were saying, oh, it may be elephant track. We don't know exactly what it was, you know, in the hospital. we were worried. And uh, she's like, well, he chose. And now this is my sister. He chose. And I was like, don't I, I want to like really like I said, don't you ever say that he chose? Because even if he did chose, it didn't mean he deserved to die. Years ago, my father was an addict. All right. Did plenty of stuff. They don't just die like that, okay? No. This was, you know, people experimenting the first time. Young adults, the pills that are out there. Kids have a pill. They take a pill. They didn't know what it was. And then the parents are finding every day their kids are dead in their rooms, you know? And I'm doing my best now. I, Like I said, I took my grief into activism. I also am working with people in the men- that have mental disabilities. I talk to them about fentanyl all, all the time. And it was kind of Good. Actually, yesterday, I took one of my members to the store and he said, Tammy, I just wanted to let you know something. He's like, I spoke to my sister last night and I told her, don't take a pill from anyone, even if it's an aspirin, because the lady Tammy, her son Dylan died from fentanyl and he was, you know, did one thing and he didn't know what it was that it was in there and he passed away so he told it don't or whatever said and he goes thank you for letting me know that because I didn't even know anything about that and all
0: yeah and, most people um, don't
1: no no I
0: was I, I was feel. getting coffee I was getting coffee last weekend and I don't even know how it came up but the I don't remember how it came up, but the person that was ahead of me, young, you know, young young man, I couldn't have been more than like 23 or four. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how we got into the conversation, but, you know, I'm like, do you know about fentanyl? And he's like, I heard about it, but I don't really know that much. I'm like, well, let me just tell you, don't you dare take anything but prescription medication because only one little gram, you know, in a a joint even or Coke or whatever. I said, or one pill that you think is one thing and it's another. I said, you can't afford to experiment. Those days are over. And he's like, wow, I'm really glad you told me that. I didn't have any idea. Um, oh, yeah, so I was like, Good,
1: that's good, yeah. Just at least you know, that it makes you feel good because you're like, All right, I'm telling somebody. I wish somebody would have told me, I wish I would have known or my son would have known because I know for a fact my son did not know what it yeah. was. He did not know, he did yeah. not know. It. Yeah. And it was like, even when they got his autopsy back, he didn't have anything, he didn't even have weed in his system, he had nothing, just the fentanyl.
0: Wow. It was- yeah. So then and he he took a pill that was completely fentanyl.
1: He, he didn't take a pill. He used what he thought was cocaine.
0: Oh, know? okay. Yeah. And it was laced.
1: Yeah. Yeah, there was like hardly it, there wasn't even any cocaine really in the system. It was like wow. Very, yeah, it was very very like minute. Yeah. It was mostly pretty much fentanyl. But wow. I think yeah, it was just yeah, one point six. You know, so it's like I don't know too much about the chemistry and biology stuff, but um, you know, one point six like is like a grain of salt. So I'm saying usually they said to kill it could be like two. It can be between that. I mean, any one pill kills doesn't mean. But because I think he was clean, it hit him even harder because he was <laughs> not using.
0: Mm. Yeah. 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 And, and I, there are so many of the victims who have never tried anything before and they thought they were getting Adderall or Paxil or, you know, something that is common or we think is common. Yes. You know, cause for whatever reason they were having a hard time either in college or dating or whatever and they felt like that would smooth things over for them and little did they know that the whole pill was fentanyl
1: or also some people that have you know um, meds that were prescribed to them and then even during COVID they couldn't get the meds or whatever and then they would probably reach out to somebody that oh you know um, behind you know, I can't. I didn't get my pills yet, and would want something, maybe something innocent, you know, such as that. But I mean, for the most thing, the social media is a lot has a lot to do with it because these kids were getting like pizza delivery. They would have drugs delivered to their door. You know,
0: like I know it's and- crazy. Yes. And what bothers me so much about Snapchat is, Mm -hmm. you know, they get away with it because it's the kind of app where all the interaction goes away so quickly. So it's almost like anonymous.
1: Yes. Yes. And um, it's, and also because a lot of these dealers too, like I was told, you know, that they use those burner phones and, you know, it's hard to, You know, a lot of parents, there has been some, several parents that have had gotten justice, you know, for their children, you know, but it's not as much justice as there is death. you know, that's happened. Yes. It's just, it's just very sad that right now we're living in these times where I feel like us parents, like we're forming our own little army and it's like, we're like, we're like alone. Yes, the DEA has stepped up, and they've been trying. You know, they're with us. You know, Mister Cle. That that is Cleveland. He's been supporting all a lot of the Angel families. He's on the border, so we get a lot of the support that we need. But we're doing this all alone. We're all putting up billboards on our own. All of us, all those billboards. We, that's us parents. You know, doing that, paying for that. You know, right. we're doing it. We're the ones that are advocating, you know, finally, we had fentanyl on the 21st. We had the fentanyl awareness,
0: awareness day. day. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And they were in Times Square and, you know, Dylan was in Times Square a couple of times. Um, we did videos with Angela Marie Um that's Nick's Never Alone. Um, she had put up, uh, she gave us, you know, she did it. She choreographed the thing and um we were all our angels were featured in Times square we all had they had 15 seconds of each so dylan was in Times square you know so i actually had my daughter go down and she filmed it and uh i put the song i don't know why glenn campbell's song like a rhinestone cowboy made the video dylan in, in Times square uh, and uh I had a picture of Dylan when he, he liked to go to Times Square a lot and I had a picture of Dylan and one of his friends put, you know, Dylan always wanted to be like a star and there he was in Times Square, you know, he had his little thing over there in Times Square, but us, we're doing it all. We're doing it, you know, and it's time for the government and just do something about this because this is our whole generation. We lost a whole generation it's just it's just so sad it's just really sad but like I said I turned my grief into ag- activism <laughs> and I think although Dylan's death I'll never get over it it made me a better person if that makes any sense I feel like Interesting. I'm a little bit more yeah. nicer. I'm a little more understanding of people I'm a little less judgmental um, I think it made me look at myself as a person a little bit differently than I did before. Before I, I was always a nice person, but I feel like I was always a little sometimes judgmental or, you know, and I just said, you know what this, I have to make my son proud of me. And he always was, but I just said, you know what? I want to make Dylan proud. Like I want to do, cause he told me too, he was like, Ma, you know, he said something one time he's like I had a food trailer he's like I want you to get that food trailer on the road and he's like you do that you know we're the champions mommy you know you gotta do this and you know and I just was like I just want to make you proud of me I want you to see that I'm trying to be there for you and and reach out and that's why I just started to go into um working with people with mental illness and I feel like through them, I'm helping, you know, through Dylan, like Dylan's with me in this, you know, like I'm helping these people to be the best that they can be and, you know, educate them. Hopefully That's wonderful.
0: That's wonderful. Yeah. Because I think that um, mental illness is not focused on enough. No, it just isn't. And there's a lot of people who Um, suffer with that in one form or another. And they really do need our help. They need someone to advocate for them. Sometimes their own family have kind of shunned them, you know, because they're not, you know, maybe they didn't get married or, you know, they don't have a relationship that's, they can count on, you know, they don't have children and it just really annoys me. You know that um, they're so discarded, in a sense. Yes. You know, from society, and it—it's just not good. It's not nice.
1: Yeah, Dylan's daughter. Do- Dylan has a daughter. Her name oh, is. Oh wow. Yeah, she had the same birthday as Dylan, December the fifth. Um, uh, but and in- he was also very upset about some things with that too, because he had an on and off relationship with the mother. But when Dylan had mental some issues with his mental illness. She didn't really want Dylan around her for a while. So that hurt him a lot too. Sure. Um, But prior to his death, actually in November, in November, he died in December. He saw his daughter. He hadn't seen her for a long time. And my son facilitated it. And he came and saw his daughter and spent time with her, took pictures. And, um, he was finally happy. Like, he was finally happy, and I'm glad at least he got to spend that time and see his daughter.
0: Absolutely. And, yeah. Not to mention that she will always remember that.
1: Yeah, and um, she did, you know, she came to the funeral, and that was really hard for me to do too, you know, with her, and her mom was very nice about it. She came to the funeral too, and um you know, it was just sad to me that it had to come down to him passing away, you know, that he finally was, before he passed away, that he finally got to see his daughter after some time and then, you know, passing away. It was really sad. It was really sad, you know, but... Um,
0: Is he buried up, up north? What? Is he Sorry. buried up north?
1: Yes. Yes, he's buried up north. And um, he's in, West, in uh, White Plains, Rural Cemetery, White Plains. And, uh, that was another thing because I lived here in Florida, Dylan, um, died in Queens and my children lived in Middletown, New York, which is uh, Orange County. So I had to find a place. I tried to find a place that was like kind of medium ground, you know, that was for everybody to be able to go visit him. And, uh, it was also when I put it on Facebook that Dylan passed away. Um, I had an old junior high school friend that saw that Dylan died and was like, Hey, listen, my brother's a mortician, get in touch with him. And I didn't even know. I mean, I was like, I was at the point, like a funeral, uh, how do I do all this? You know, there's a lot of parents that I, I mean, there's, there's nothing wrong with cremation or whatever you want to do. That's a personal choice. If you want to cremate, if you want a natural burial, I just was like very old fashioned. My family buried that's The way we did it, I was like that, and then I was like, But I don't know if I'm gonna have the money to be able to afford all this, you know. I may have to do cremation, and my kids were like, Mom, no, that's not what you want to do, so we're gonna do it, you know. And um, my sister and I went to the funeral parlor and we were picking out the casket, which is something that and I looked at this blue, blue castle. I was like, oh my God, I think he'd like this. And my sister was like started hyperventilating and she's like, <gasps> like she's like, he wants the blue, he wants the blue. And I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um we were able, even though it was uh COVID time, we were able to video have his funeral on video. And um so it's still on the website from the funeral parlor. Um, and we had a full, we were lucky at COVID time. There were funerals like, you know, graveside and you gotta go. Dylan had a full funeral for two days and, um, beautiful funeral. And I didn't know how I was going to be able to pay for this, but we did like a GoFundMe and the family got together. Dylan's dad, we all did. And he had a beautiful, funeral beautiful farewell and he went out in style and his brother dylan we put a white suit because dylan's daughter said that she wanted sort of had a dream of her daddy in a white suit
0: oh wow
1: yeah so we put him dylan in a white suit and his brother klaus wore the same white suit at the funeral in honor of his brother yeah
0: yeah
1: and uh that's pretty much it, but Dylan was a very kind, loving soul, and I know he's still around, and i that's another thing. I never thought that I would believe that, you know, in seeing your loved one after they pass. but Dylan came to me in an orb when he first passed away, like right before he did the organ donation, he came in an orb. So then after that, um, about a month and a half later, he came to me in the orb again, but this time his face was in the orb, and I'm Ooh. like, okay, and it was him, it was a little boy, like when okay. he was around 10, and I started Googling about it, I'm like, what is this? Why does he come to me as a little boy? And they say sometimes they'll come to you when they felt that they were at their best at time in their life.
0: Wow! Makes
1: sense to me.
0: That wow, he came to that's me amazing. About
1: Ten years old, because that was like, I guess, the best time of his life. You know? uh-huh. so, so that time, and then I had met at the first rally that I went to. So I, I'm going on my third rally for Lost um, Los of Fat, and all all well, us parents. So this is going to be the third year that we're going. Yes. The uh, first rally, I met a lady from Puerto Rico that her son Derek he he died of fentanyl but he was they caught him in time his girlfriend got him in enough time so he survived fentanyl and so she came to the rally and she has a group in in Puerto Rico so we had met we happened to stay in the same hotel and we just kind of clicked and um I, Dylan was into like anime, poking in, all that kind of stuff. So when I was at the rally, I was like, Dylan, please give me a sign. Please give me a sign. So as the rally was over, we were walking back to our hotel, and it was pouring rain, and we had to stop. And we went by a <laughs> and there was like a little uh, bench. All of a sudden, the Derek, that's the boy that died Fentanyl the came back from fentanyl. He picks up, and there's a Pokemon card by the, the bench. And I was like, Wow I couldn't believe that so then after that I remained friends with the lady and we talked on the phone and she sent me one day she like sent me this video and she's like Tammy we were just talking about Dylan because Dylan I have CDs Dylan I made CDs for Dylan when it's his funeral oh, <laughs> breaking thing here uh, well you can't really see. Dylan had made a CD of his song Hope and I gave it out in his funeral And I gave it out in D.C. When I went to D.C., I was like, oh, do you want to, you know, this is my son's song. So I gave out his music. So I gave one to the guy Derek, the one that found the Pokemon card. And they were playing it and they were talking about Dylan. After that, they went outside their house and she videotaped it. I have it. And the sky was like, she said, I saw like angels and all that. And Dylan's face, I'm like clear as day was in the sky and I was like, wow, wow. I would believe these things. Like I would be like if somebody told me that you're crazy. But now I believe I believe. So I that's what I know. Our kids are so
0: just oh yeah. A <laughs> Without a doubt. They I had many instances where Angela would, you know, remind us that she was around. Yeah. Music, music boxes going off during dinner. <laughs> You know, things like that.
1: <laughs> like the 111 or um, the clocks going. Dylan likes to do, he likes to do the clocks. He likes to do music a lot. Music. Like that song, uh, I always like the every time I hear every rose has its thorn, I know it's him. So
0: maybe,
1: uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> wow. But um, yeah, but I just, I have my moments, you know grief comes and goes like I can be smiling and laughing and then sometimes I feel a little guilty for smiling and laughing but I know he would want me to that he doesn't want me to be sad you know Yeah. It, it comes and goes grief is grief is it. I don't want to it's it's not better but I guess you have no choice but to live with it and deal with it but doing the advocating that we're doing and spreading awareness has really helped my mental state that I'm kind of proud to say that I haven't had to take any antidepressants. I haven't had to speak to a therapist, even though maybe I could but, <laughs> <laughs> but I really am actually surprised that I've handled this as well as I could because I have no choice but to, you know, and I have to keep going for my children. Right. And, and that's it. And I just know that in my head that one day I will see him again and we will reunite and I just have to keep that in mind and just keep on moving forward. And hopefully maybe eventually, you know, we can get this to stop somehow. I mean, it's never going to hundred percent go away, but just get this, this death. 300 children, young adults a day are dying. It's just, it's just horrible.
0: Say that again.
1: 300 young adults are dying every day from fentanyl poisoning. And it's not just that they're users. They're being poisoned. They're being murdered. Our children were murdered and it needs to stop. And nobody wants to talk about the border, but the border needs to be shut. The border needs to close. And I don't want to blame any political parties because I'm not going to go there. Because, but I will just say that I, we need to close the border in order to keep this country <laughs> from where existence. We're, they're killing everybody off. Everybody's all, we're being killed off, and it's just it's scary. It's really scary. It's really yes. scary. We're, we're like I feel like we're living in the end of times. You know,
0: I think we are actually because we've gotten to a point where everything is good or evil.
1: Yeah. And um, I don't know. It's different things. You know, to, I don't want to get too much into religion because I don't want to offend anybody. But, you know, I had read about something called the Yellow per- Peril, Yellow Peril, Yellow China. You know, it's kind of this is what's going on in my personal opinion. It's very biblical also. You know, because it's kind of was predicted with China, and I didn't know if exactly it was going to be fentanyl, but it's just a lot of things that I tie into religion and what's going on now. is telling me that you know we're we're in we're in hell, <laughs> we're in hell, and yeah. we're living in. I think we're living in the end of times. You know, like right. It's just very scary. It's very scary.
0: Yeah, I agree, and. And it's so orchestrated from the cartels in Mexico and how yes. they they bring it up through the the ports, you know, the yes. port of entry. Yes. And a lot of people don't realize that they're recruiting, you know, the blonde haired blue eyed boy to be the carrier or the right. courier so that, you know, the agents at the border don't suspect them as much. But yeah. they're the ones, you know, and maybe they don't have enough dogs, you know, drug dogs that can sniff out drugs, but they need to get more.
1: <laughs> well, also, these cartels are even violating their own people that because of the open border, th- their own people are dying coming here because, and also, they're they to get even in the border to cross. They're dying in the fields every day. You're seeing on the news all these people, even their own people. You know, they're, they're killing their own people. They're they're trafficking. They're it's just a big mess. Even um, the state senate. There's a gentleman named Derek Maltz. I mean, he's with the XDEA, and um, he advocates for us a lot. And he's oh, he's marched with us to D.C. And he went to, to the state senate, and um, they were saying, well. Our our family came here and we had, you know, we came to the United States and we want to give everybody opportunity for these people to come here. But they don't even realize it. They're using these Mexican cartels, even these people that are crossing the border, they're using their own people. They're harming their own people. They're killing their own people. They don't care. It's greed. It's money. It's this is your ancestors. When we, my grandparents came here, Okay, my grandmother came from Italy. All right. I can still go on Ellis Island dot com and see when my grandmother came when she was seventeen years old. Yes. Like, you know what it had to be? My you had to be a craftsman, like you had to have a skill. Yeah. Okay. And you had to have money. I and and my I know because I looked on Ellis Island dot com and my grandmother told me. And they owned a butcher shop. They had to have a trade, they had to be like a carpenter or something. So yeah. why is it that's a smack in the face to me as an American. All right, that my I could I know where my people came from, these people we don't even know where they're coming from. All right, and they're paying thousands of dollars to these cartels to bring them here to this country, and they're dying at the border. That's why I was telling you about Mr. Cleveland, he's there, he sees it all the time. They're pulling dead bodies out of it, they can't, they're dying. They're doing trafficking, and that movie Freedom, too, that was a good movie.
0: Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, I'm so glad that they got to do that. Really, yeah. yes.
1: It's good. You know, they were saying in the movie theaters that they were they were buying up the tickets to make it look like um it was sold out because they didn't want people to see the movie.
0: Right. I heard about that. Yeah. Or I also heard a story where they went in to go see the movie and they claimed that the projector wasn't working. Yeah. <laughs> they were doing like all kinds of stupid stuff like that to, you know, make people um not oh, have yeah. that experience and I I, I that's nasty just yeah, nasty yeah.
1: yeah I mean I thought this was the United States of America so we
0: no <laughs> no uh, I don't know if it is anymore actually no. but um I feel um grateful that they went out of their way Mel Gibson and James Caviglia mm-hmm. Kav- how do I pronounce his name
1: I can't say it either, to be honest with you. Caviezel. Really? Yeah.
0: Jim Kavizel, and um, phenomenal actor. Yes. I, during COVID, we watched Point of Interest. I think that was oh, the name I've of it, and he was in there. Oh, it was, really? Like amazing. I I mean, I think there were like ten seasons. Wow. And it, And it was way back before they started making like shows that had four parts or six parts, you know, it was de- the whole season from like wow. September to June. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so uh, every day we would watch a few of those episodes because what else wow. were we doing during COVID? Right. <laughs> but we really, I really enjoyed, you know, I really enjoyed his acting and then um he's a big time Christian, you know, awesome. and so is Mel Gibson. Yeah big time.
1: Um,
0: And so, you know, both of them have the same, you know, feeling that the things that are coming out of Hollywood and the way that Hollywood is, you know, acting for a long time, they don't want to be part of it. And I can't blame them. Can't blame them. So I hope they do do something in like Nevada. That's what they're talking about making a second. Yeah. Making like a second um, or a comparable Hollywood in um, in Nevada. Oh, that'd yeah, be good. Mm-hmm. yeah, wouldn't that be great? And the yes. other person involved is um, Mark Wahlberg. He's oh. talking about it too,
1: Marky Mark.
0: <laughs> yeah, and uh, I'm, you know, he doesn't want to raise his kids in in California. I can't blame him.
1: No, it's not. It's not good. I mean, I at that point, I'd rather really be here in New York. Uh, I wanted to show you something else. I was just looking at this bracelet. So us angel moms, we um, give gifts to one another. We show, you know, love for one another. And I just wore this today. It's um, one of the angel moms just sent this to me. And she was like, I was just thinking about you. I don't know if you can see it. But anyway, I was just thinking about you and sent me a card. And this is the way us angel parents express love to one another and I think
0: that's remarkable
1: yeah and um Andrea some Lee, you'll be having her next Uh
0: uh-huh
1: she um is a wonderful soul and it's like it's so amazing sometimes like we just get like sometimes we feel like we all know each other but we just like met but we like have this bond and um it's it's pretty special so I really am happy and thankful that I have people around me that became like my second family and we just support one another. And it's kind of sad to say, but I get more support from the angel moms than I do my own family. Yes.
0: Many, I, I have to say I'm, I'm in that boat, you know, I got so much more um, support and love. And it was like a second family after Angela was murdered and, my family just did not still doesn't understand what we went through. Yeah, they don't. And, you know, they wanted me to be back to the way I was the same happy go lucky. You know, they wanted me to be how I was before. And I was never going to be that again. No, No. you just aren't you. It's like there's a division between before Angela died and after Angela
1: yeah
0: and because of that um that line I don't know if you call it line of demarcation or whatever <laughs> that line yes you know um forever changed us yeah and, and you can't go back you'll never no. be that other person okay. you you'll live be- that life up until that day and then you're now living a different life and yeah. it takes us, A long time just to accept this new personality we are, right? (laughs) It (laughs) takes a really long time for us to become or grow into this new personality. So the last thing we need is people telling us how we should be a different way. You know, we should be, we should act like we did before. So- You have, unfortunately it doesn't. And unfortunately there's just people in your life eventually that they were there for that season. Right. Right. And, and that season's over.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: And you have to let them go by the wayside and people think that's really cruel, but it's not because if you're going to survive and move forward, there are just going to be people in your family and your friends who you no longer um associate with for your own good
1: exactly, exactly. And you know, and it's okay because i I'm fine now that I you know it hurts me sometimes that my own sister, my own sister, who was very close to Dylan. Doesn't really even speak to me. She told me when I was putting up billboards to Dylan, stop showing his face. And I said, you know what? You told me to stop showing his face. Guess what? I'm going to show his face. And I'm going to make it <laughs>
0: Even more.
1: Yeah. That's why I started doing the graphics and then getting into the billboards and everything. Because I'm like, don't show his face.
0: <laughs> yeah. I wonder why she would say that. Like, what's the point?
1: I don't know. It's like... I- It's, I don't know why, because it was, I don't have- Was
0: she embarrassed? Maybe she was embarrassed.
1: Maybe she's embarrassed, but there's nothing to be embarrassed about, you know?
0: (laughs) I know, but there are people who, you know, they don't want to tell the truth about how their loved one died. You know, I've heard- She's
1: in the health industry, you know, so, and with kids. So, I don't understand why- she would do that, but it was always like, kind of like she was the one that was the, one, the mom, is girl, and this and that, and her kids this, and my kids were always the underdogs. <laughs> but I don't know. I think she was just embarrassed, or maybe because she did. She did. She loved my son. I'm not going to take that away from her. Now, she did the best that she thought she could do. Yeah. He held a lot of things from me that maybe I could have tried to do, you know, help, but everybody, everybody's different, you know? So I don't even talk with my sister now and it's sad, you know, and it should be a time where we should be embraced. And it's sad to feel like I do that with with strangers. They're not strangers anymore, but you know what I'm saying? Like I'm doing this with people that
0: are not related to you.
1: Yeah but that's okay.
0: <laughs> it is. And sometimes those friendships that you develop after a child's died or any relative, but you know, um, they're just more fruitful. They're more understanding wow. they're, they're more, um, genuine, you know, Yes. you don't have to think, like when, like I said before, when they say, I know how you feel, you don't have to question that, you know, right. you don't question not that.
1: No, not yeah. at all.
0: <laughs> wow. Yeah. And how are your other children dealing with this and your, and, and his father?
1: His dad and I, like, we don't talk a lot. I mean, I've it was weird though. For a while, like I would message him pictures of Dylan or things that I've done, like the billboards and stuff like that. And I wasn't getting any response. And about a month or two ago, it was weird because I, had, I hadn't dreamt of Dylan. And I had a dream of Dylan. Like he was standing in front of a wall, standing, like sitting, I'm sorry, on a bench. And it was like a green wall. And he looked at Dylan, turned around and he said, Ma, I'm back and it's over. And I woke up and I woke (laughs) up. And I I look at my phone and Dylan's dad, like Dylan used to go to baseball games a lot with his dad. So Dylan's dad sent me a text and I hadn't heard from him in months, like a long time. And he said, I went to a Brooklyn Cyclones game. And that was the last place that the last time I went there was with Dylan. And Dylan, You know, and I was just thinking really much about it and he texted me and I was like, That is so weird that you text me because I had a dream of Dylan in front of this wall. So I'm thinking, you know, like you know, like the baseball players when they're like waiting in the dugout, it must have been like a because it was a bench and it was like a a green wall that he looked at. Uh Uhhuh. And I was like, Oh my God, because I just dreamt of Dylan and I have not dreamt of Dylan and he was sitting on a bench, you know. (laughs) So it was weird, but um, he doesn't he doesn't communicate with me a lot. Um, you know what? It's basically like we did what we have to do. He has a wife, and you know, he's got his own life. He lives in New York, oh. and I have my own life. Uh-huh. So, you know, uh, he did what he had to do as a dad, and you know, and but I was happy that he texted me because I was like, all right, you know, like. Of course, he loves his son. It was his child, you know, but yeah, at least he communicated. So I think, you know, there's, so, there's nothing else that we can do, you know. he's. I mean, if I called the man and needed something, you know, I'm sure he would do so, you know. But it's it's not like that, you know. We we just went on our own ways, you know. And I did not, him and my sister, they're not into the advocating stuff. My My mom's kind of like, oh, you got that for me. You got that for
0: me. <laughs> Aw. And how uh, are his how are his siblings?
1: Oh, the siblings. I'm sorry. I lost track. Um it's so okay. J- Dylan. Okay, so Dylan has a sister. So his oldest sister was Julia. She's the first first oldest. Then we have Autumn. Then we have Klaus, Desiree, and Gianna's the youngest. Gianna and I live together here in Florida. Um, so um Julia, this is a funny story, Julia was pregnant, and, well, her daughter is now two. And she was thought she was told that she was having a boy. Now, prior to this, Dylan spoke to this lady that was my sister's friend. When Dylan first died, this lady was like, she had psychic abilities. She was like a medium but very religious woman. And, um, she told my sister that she was in the dollar tree and that Dylan was bugging her. Like, (laughs) and um, she said that Dylan told her, well, there was a couple of things, but the main part was that Dylan told her that he's going to pick out all his nieces and nephews. So now my daughter, Julia is pregnant. She had a sonogram done and they said it was a boy. Okay. So I was like, Oh, you got to name him Dylan. You know, you got to name, you got to name the baby Dylan. No, I don't know if I want to name him Dylan. I, I don't know. I don't really know. I'm like, you got to name him Dylan anyway. So she had the sonogram, and now all these sonograms are advanced. Now they got the pic; you could see everything in there. It's, like, it's a boy, you know. So come to find out, when she gave birth, guess what she had? She had a girl ah! and you know what I'm <laughs> because she didn't name him Dylan. You <laughs> know, I'm just <laughs>
0: that's amazing.
1: That. <laughs> no. But um, Klaus, my son Klaus, you know, they go in and out. I mean, there's nothing else, you know, we can do but accept. We all have our moments where we miss him. We play his music. Um, we always talk about him. We go to his grave. I go down twice a year. we go to the grave. my son, my kids, they live in New York, so they go to the grave a little more often. We take uh, my son takes Dylan's daughter a lot. He's become taken. He promised that he would be like a second dad to Dylan's daughter, Candace. So he oh, does that. That's so nice. Her, yeah, he takes her out and does things with her all the time. And, you know, especially the birthday. That's a tough one, too, because Dylan's birthday is the same as hers. And I I make a trip down there to go with the kids and, you know. Uh, How old is she them.
0: now? She's 10. Okay. And a,
1: yeah. And, uh, you know, we just, they just keep, Doing what we have to do, well, you know, we that's the point that we had to we're at acceptance now, that's that's all. But you know, we we have our moments. I mean, I still have like my moment, like I could just be doing something and think I'm so great, and then all of a sudden it'll just hit you and cry. I'll cry, I'll do my minute or two cry, and then I'll go back and do what I'm doing. I mean, sometimes I used to feel like I was a crazy woman at work, like I go in the bathroom and I cry, and then walk out and be like, hi. <laughs> Just yeah. try to put the face on and act like I'm also normal. But um we're doing the best that we possibly can under this situation, but we just keep in you know faith that one day we will see him again. And that's all we can do.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Shine down on us.
0: <laughs> well, it's nice to know that he comes to you. Yeah. And that's really very comforting, isn't it?
1: Yeah. And I never thought I was like, so in tune with things, even Andrea, we're going to speak to tomorrow. Like some, she's like, Tammy, you know, you're an empath, you know, like some things that I told her and she's like, you're right about this. You're right. And I was like, I never really thought that I I feel like I gained, or maybe I just never really knew of some of the abilities that I have now that I don't think i had before. Or maybe I feel like, Joan's death brought it out. Like, I feel like I'm more in tune to things. Maybe, maybe
0: it, maybe it did. You know, maybe it did. I
1: don't know, or unless I like to think that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, well, Tammy, thank you so much for being with me tonight.
1: Thank you. And I enjoyed speaking with you. And um, same here. Thanks so much for giving me the opportunity to speak with you. It really helps so much. And, and our conversation, can help somebody else, you know, going through the grief that we're going through. And there is some light at the end of the tunnel and just keep on having the hope and faith that, you know, like I said, we'll see our loved ones again. And that's what's gonna keep me going. And I wanna make my son proud of me and, you know, to say, you know what? My mom is doing what she has to do. Cause he did tell me, mom, you, you, he goes, We are the champions, he told me one time and he's like when I was gonna get my food to get that food truck on the road and I wanna see you do good, you know. So, <laughs> so I always had that in my head. Mom, keep keep it up, keep it up. I'm with you, I'm with you.
0: Aww. Well, I'll see you at the rally.
1: Yes. Okay, I'll be there. <laughs> okay. I hope All to right. see you the night
0: before at the meet and greet.
1: Yes, are you staying in the residence uh residence?
0: No, it it turns out that we have business Uh, in D.C. on that Friday, and I didn't even know it. And then when I spoke to April and they were telling us what weekend it was, I'm like, oh, this is a God thing. Really? oh yes, uh, because we had the hotel in DC and the plane flights and everything was done before I ever knew about that wow
1: that's, I know
0: isn't that crazy? crazy so yeah. I said oh yeah this is definitely a god thing
1: oh yeah we'll definitely see you there for sure okay, <laughs> okay. Oh, God bless I'll have, my, I'll have one of my shirts on my Dylan shirt or whatever you'll you'll, you'll what a beautiful out. looking guy thank you
0: really handsome I
1: miss
0: <laughs> I'm sure you do. Well, I look yeah. forward to I look forward to meeting and giving you a big hug.
1: Yes, definitely. Thank you so much. Uh, well, Enjoy talking to you. All right. You too. Have a night. Okay.
0: Thank you. You too. Bye. Bye. Yeah. Bye.